Hello, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher Allen. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Uh, yesterday, we finished our teaching on, uh, on um, the Holy Spirit and his gifts. And today we are going to start on the subject of uh, God's grace and man's faith. And what I'm doing is I'm teaching grace and faith together. Usually people teach grace as one subject and then they can teach faith as a, another subject. But the reason I'm doing this together uh, is because, you see, in the Bible, in the New Testament, grace and faith are integral to one another. They're linked together in more ways than we can imagine. One isn't complete without the other. So we have to teach them together because to understand um, faith, you have to understand grace first. So I'm going to teach on grace and I'm going to teach on faith. And the, another reason why I'm teaching them separately is because if you take grace as a standalone subject, what usually happens is that people go into exaggerations and they begin to teach things about grace, about the grace of God. They begin to say things that shouldn't be said, that are plain wrong, according to the scripture. And, uh, so, and it leads towards kind of giving more room to the flesh than one should and shirking away from spiritual disciplines and calling those things as legalism. So uh, I, want to, I want to avoid that. So we want to, we want to talk about what the Bible says about the love and the grace of God that is given to us through Jesus Christ. And then on the foundation of grace, we're going to teach on faith because faith, if it is taught as a standalone subject, if we are not careful, faith can become very legalistic when uh, uh, the miracles that God does in our lives, uh, they don't depend upon the love and the mercy of God, but they depend upon what we do, what we say, how we pray. And so we, you know, we, uh, I want to avoid those pitfalls. So that's why I'm going to teach these subjects as one. So praise God. And, uh, but before I go into that, I want to share another story with you like I've always done. And this is from many, many years ago before I went to Bible school. One day there was a knock on my door and there was a Swedish, young Swedish lady who I didn't know. And she had heard of me and she was standing with an Arab Muslim guy, a Middle Eastern guy. And she basically said, could you tell him about Jesus? So uh, I sat with him. I shared the Lord with, about the Lord with him. And I uh, shared with him about God's plan for salvation. Then I gave him a New Testament. I said, listen, read as much as you can every day and whatever you don't understand, just underline those parts and we'll meet tomorrow and we'll talk about those parts. He said, that's great. So we met every day. Um, he had underlined, he had a lot of questions. He would read the New Testament then he would come to me with his questions and I would, I would answer his questions and so on and so forth. And until I think a week later, he said to me, listen, uh, I don't want to discuss anymore. I want to receive Jesus because I have read this and this book has really touched my life. I have stopped drinking and a lot of things I used to do. I just stopped doing them. And I feel like there's been a big change in my life just by reading this book. So I prayed with him. He received Jesus. Then a few weeks later, he got baptized. And when he, when he got baptized, he came out of the water speaking in tongues. So he got both in one package. So baptized in water, baptized with the Holy Ghost. Then uh, I was with him for a couple of months, teaching him, discipling him. And then uh, I had to go away to the U.S. to go to Bible study, my wife and I. So I said to him, listen, I'm sorry, I can't take care of anymore. 
take care of you anymore because I'm going to the U.S. And he cried and, and uh, who will help me then? I said, I've got people who will help you. So I sent him to uh, some people in England. So anyway, so I came back from the U.S. I lost touch with him for many, many years. Then years later, I heard that he was back in the Middle East and then that he had come out and all that. Just stories I'd heard bits and pieces, but nothing verified. Then one day, a friend of mine was going to the Middle East and he had been a, a Swedish guy, had been a missionary in the Middle East. And, and he told me that my friend, this guy I had led to the Lord, he was now leading a powerful ministry. In fact, it was the largest indigenous work in the Arab world with thousands of people in their churches and Bible schools and there were wonderful miracles that were happening. I was, I was blown away at how the Lord had used this man. Anyway, the next year I was back in Sweden preaching at a conference and I saw him. He was sitting in the front row in my meeting and we hugged each other, haven't met for like 25 years and we both cried and, and I, I was just amazed at what the Lord had done in this man's life how I had met him in my living room and shared Jesus with him and how now he was not only saved and serving God, but God had used him to raise up a mighty work for the gospel in the Middle East and God was using him to do great and wonderful things. So I shared with this with, uh, this with you just to tell you one thing, never shirk or hold back from sowing the seed of the gospel in somebody's life because you don't know. You never know what God is going to do in their lives. They can bear, they can go out and end up bearing a lot of fruit and reaching more people than you and I will ever reach. And you know, the best part is that you have a share in the reward. Everything that person does with his life and lets God use him, you also have a share of that reward. So never forget that. So let us serve God boldly and uh, reach others with the gospel. Amen. So now I'm going to talk about God's grace and man's faith. And Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, it says here, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. This is interesting. It says we are saved by grace, but through faith. Here you see the intermarriage of grace and faith, how grace and faith are integral to one another, even in the process of man's salvation. It says we are saved by grace, grace first, and then faith. And then it's interesting, it says, and not that, not of yourselves. That means that even the faith with which we respond to grace, uh, to God's grace is not of ourselves. Even that is a gift of God. That means that even the faith with which we respond to God's grace is a gift of God's grace. Isn't that amazing? So that's why grace is the foundation for faith because by grace are you and I saved through faith. Hallelujah. So grace has to work because it doesn't matter how much faith you have. If God's grace was not available, there's no way how that we could be ever, uh, ever saved because Jesus said, no man can come to the Father unless the Father draw him. And that drawing is the grace of God. God pours out his grace and draws us to himself and we respond to him by faith and that's how salvation comes. But even that faith with which we respond to him is a gift of God's grace. Praise God. So there's three things. Firstly, grace precedes faith. Grace goes before faith. 
For it, is, it says here, by grace are you saved through faith. So grace precedes faith. Grace comes before faith. Secondly, grace is what fuels and powers faith. The power of faith is actually found in grace. Because if you understand grace, you can have strong faith. So grace is what fuels and propels and powers faith. The third thing, to understand faith, we have to understand grace. Because if you don't understand grace and you embark into faith without understanding the love of God, uh, let's say the love of God instead of grace in this case, because they're the same thing, then what happens, your faith can become, uh, what you call faith can become a lot of self-effort and legalism. All right. Now, what, let me, before we talk about what grace is, let us make sure and we, we are clear about what grace isn't. All right. I want to say because uh, unfortunately, there are very few subjects that have been taught as wrongly as the subject of grace. And, um, and it seems to me that very often when people try to teach grace, it becomes a total disaster because it has very bad fruit in churches and in people's lives. So what grace is not, okay? Firstly, grace is not a license for lax standards of holiness and purity. You know, as Christians, we have uh, certain standards. There's some things that Jesus said. He said, be ye holy, even as your father is holy. So there are certain standards of holiness and purity that Jesus talks about in the Gospels and Paul talks about in the epistles. And just because we are under grace, we cannot say that, well, those standards of holiness and purity, they're just legalistic demands on us. Let me say something about legalism in this context. You see, legalism, uh, any times uh, we talk about spiritual disciplines or purity and holiness, people are quick to lamp, uh, stamp it as legalism. Legalism purely is this. If you were to understand legalism, legalism means imposing the law. Legalism purely, it means this, that if we require that people keep the laws of Moses, in order to be accepted by God. Like we tell people you have to keep the laws in the in the first five books of Moses, you know, in the Torah. And so you have to keep those laws and only if you keep them, then you're acceptable to God. That is pure legalism. That is what legalism means. Now, but what people these days mean by legalism isn't just the laws of Moses, but anytime there is an any kind of expectation or any commandment or any requirement or anything that requires discipline, people are quick to stamp that as legalism because they say we are under grace and there's no compulsion on us. We can do whatever we like, whatever we want. That is wrong. I know there is no compulsion, but we will study those things later on. I'll show you from the scripture what the Bible does teach about grace. But I want you to understand this thing that it is not grace is not about uh, a license to uh, have lax standards of purity and holiness. OK, um, then the second thing about grace, grace is not a license to indulge in the desires of the flesh or in lasciviousness. Grace is not 
a license to indulge in the in the drives or the desires you know we all have drives and we all have desires and the flesh has them and and and, and often the the flesh pulls you towards things that are not pleasing to god now grace doesn't give you a license to do those things just because you feel like it it's wrong and uh, so grace is not a license to indulge in the desires of the flesh or in lasciviousness now grace is not a license to walk away from spiritual disciplines such as stud the study of the word of god and prayer you know studying the word of god and prayer that is not legalism because these disciplines were important in the life of the lord jesus himself the bible says that the lord jesus studied the scriptures and he grew in the wisdom and in the knowledge of god although he was the son of god although he was the word personified but he still had to study the word in order to grow and uh, to be a man of god so the word study of the word was important in the life of jesus and secondly prayer was important for him you remember there were the times when he would when people would come to him for ministry and he would just step away and he would go away to the side to pray and sometimes he would spend the whole night in prayer so the study of the word and prayer are not legalism beloved that is our bread and water and the bible says jesus said man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of god from the uh, uh, from the mouth of god okay fourthly grace is not antinomianism antinomianism or lawlessness antinomianism is an old heresy uh, that means lawlessness which actually says that just because we are free from the law of moses there's no moral constraints on us we do whatever we feel and it is basically our heart or our conscience that dictates to us and tells us what to do and that is right and acceptable to god now that is antinomianism and antinomianism what it is is basically lawlessness that's what it is so uh, these are the things that grace is not okay now uh, that being said let's go to the meaning of the word grace now in hebrew the word grace is the word chen which means favor and acceptance to have favor and to be accepted by god that's the hebrew word that is translated grace is chen now in the greek the word used for grace is charis and charis means loving kindness and favor the word charis is loving kindness and favor now uh, strong you know who wrote the strong's concordance uh, he was a greek scholar he had a fantastic uh, uh, i should say definition of what grace means okay and i'm going to read it to you this is the best definition i've read on grace so i would like you to listen to this i'm reading it it says grace is the merciful kindness by which god exerting his holy influence upon souls turns them to christ keeps strengthens increasing increases them in christian faith knowledge affection and kindles them to the exercise of christian virtues now that's quite a earful but let me try to break it down it says grace is the merciful kindness which god in exerts upon us it's a grace is a holy influence 
uh, of God that he exerts upon us, with which he draws us to himself and turns us to Christ, then through that holy influence, he keeps us, he strengthens us, and he increases us in Christian values, increases us in knowledge and in love, and through that he causes us to bear fruit that will exercise the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what grace is, okay? So grace isn't, well, I can do what I like or whatever, you know, that's not grace. Grace is actually a holy influence of God upon our lives. Of course, it is unmerited favor, unmerited love, but along with that, it's a holy influence that God has upon our hearts through which he draws us to himself and and he turns us to Jesus. Then he keeps us and preserves us and continues to do his work in us and so that we grow in faith and in the knowledge of God and we grow in love and then through that we we bear much fruit for Jesus. Hallelujah. I like that. Now, the next thing is Jesus is the one who came to the world with grace. Jesus is the one who brought grace. If you were to ask how did this thing about with grace come into the world, Jesus is the one who brought grace. In John chapter 1 verse 17 it says, for the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So Moses came with the law. Remember, he stood on the mountain and God gave him the tablets and then God gave him the laws. And so you have got the law of Moses, the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments are not the only law. That's just the preamble to the law. Because after that, there's a whole long things of thou shalt not and thou shalt, you know of thou shalt not send thou shalt, and that's the law of God. So uh, Moses came to the world with the law, but Jesus, he came to the world with grace and truth. Now, let me share this with you. This is just my thought. In Moses, truth was followed by judgment because, uh, you know, when the, when the word of God, the law of God was put up and people saw themselves, their own lives compared to the law where they stood. And that's when the truth of a man's heart was revealed, whether he is righteous or unrighteous before God. And of course, everyone was unrighteous because they all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. But when uh, the sins of man were exposed and laid bare, laid open, what came afterwards was judgment. That's what Moses had basically promised. He had promised judgment. The truth was followed by judgment. But in Jesus, truth is followed by grace. Because when we stand before God and our lives are held up uh, to the word of God, to the law of God, and we are found guilty, what happens instead of us being judged, we have Jesus as Savior, our Savior who was judged by God in our stead. The judgment fell upon him and he bore our judgment and he bore our sin nature and he was punished by God instead of us and so that we can walk free. And that is that unmerited, undeserved grace that is given to us. So in Moses, it was grace, uh, it, uh, sorry, it was truth and judgment, but in Jesus, it was grace and truth. It's just my thought. I like to, you know, uh, I, I saw that and I wanted to share that with you. In Jesus, truth is always followed by grace and not by judgment. Amen. 
Zechariah 12 verse 10. And here it says here, and I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and of supplications, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. Now, this is interesting because the Jewish people, they rejected Jesus. You know, in John uh, chapter one, it says he came to his own, but his own received him not. That's what he said. He said he came to his own. It says he was in the world and the world didn't recognize him. The world didn't recognize who he was, that he was the creator of the universe. He was walking in, on this earth and the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own, but his own received him not. His own people were, were the Israel, people of the, of the nation of Israel, but they recognized him not and they crucified him upon the cross. And so they, the, the Israelites, the, the Jewish people rejected Jesus but then, but then he says, but as many as received him to them, he gave power to, uh, to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name. But we who were outsiders, who were heathen, we were far from God. Those of us who received him, he made us the sons of God. He gave us power to become the sons of God. But, but since that time, even today, the Jewish people have rejected Jesus. Uh, if you go to Israel today and you ask them, what do you think of Jesus? And most of them will say, ah, he was like one of those many, many false prophets. You read the story uh, of, uh, of, uh, of Israel. You see there were many false messiahs, false prophets, and they think Jesus is one of them. But it says, what's going to happen? There will come a day. Praise God. Now, of course, through all these years, there have been Jewish people who have come to Jesus who have been saved, but there have been few, relatively few, because the majority of them, you know, still don't have an understanding of who Jesus is. It's almost like they're blinded to who Jesus is. But he says, but one day God is going to pour upon the house of uh, the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace. Hallelujah. And when the spirit of grace and supplication is poured out upon Israel, what's going to happen? They shall turn their eyes and they shall look at the one who have pierced. That is when their eyes will be opened. So the spirit of grace opens people's eyes and makes them look at Jesus. That's what that's one of the main things about grace is that when grace comes upon people, when the spirit of grace is poured out, the person who comes under the spirit of grace, his blinded eyes are open and suddenly he sees Jesus. Hallelujah. So I thank God that that Jesus is going to do that for the Jewish people because God is going to pour out. This is a wonderful promise for the Israelite people, the Jewish people. God is going to pour out his spirit upon them. And they, when the spirit of grace comes upon him, they shall see Jesus. Hallelujah. That's a wonderful promise. And so the spirit of grace opens people's eyes and makes them see Jesus. Now, the second, the last thing is in John 1 verses 14 to 16. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. And verse 16 says, and of his fullness have all we received and grace for grace. This is, this is wonderful because here it says here that Jesus who is the word of God. Jesus is the living word. 
he threw, took off his robe of divine glory and he came to this earth and he took upon himself a robe of, made of the dust of the earth. <coughs> he took upon himself human flesh and he became one of us and he dwelt among us. Jesus, the son of God, he took upon himself the flesh of man and he dwelt upon us. And it says, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten son of the father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus was full of grace and full of truth. He was full of mercy and the grace of God and full of truth because before him, everybody who came, they, it was always, yes, the truth, but it was, it was the truth of the letter of the law and followed by judgment as the scripture says, the letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. The letter of the word, God is a righteous God. You are sinners. You have broken the law of God. And that was always followed by judgment. But he says, but when Jesus came, he was full of grace and full of mercy and truth. And then in verse 16, and of his fullness have we all received and grace for grace. In the Swedish Bible, it says, grace upon grace. He says, we have received his fullness. We have received the fullness of Jesus and grace upon grace. Hallelujah. That means multiplied layers of grace. Not only have we received grace from God and favor from God, but we have received grace. And upon that, we have received grace. And upon that, we have received grace. Grace has been put upon our lives layer after layer. And so great is the mercy and the love of God. So uh, grace is charis, uh, the loving kindness, the favor of God. And Jesus came to this world with grace. Hallelujah. And he has given us his amazing grace and he has given it to us layer upon layer upon layer, like the waves, the never ending waves of the ocean upon the seashore, grace upon grace. Hallelujah. Jesus came with grace and truth and he has given us his grace. Praise God. Well, tomorrow we will continue with this and uh, I'm trying to lay a foundation of grace for you so that you begin to understand what grace isn't and what grace is. But let us uh, have a word of prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters. I thank you for your mercy, your kindness, your goodness upon each life, upon each family in the name of Jesus. Father, I ask you right now in the name of Jesus that you would bless them, touch them. If there be any sickness in their house, heal them in the mighty name of Jesus of Nazareth, the son of God. I curse every sickness, curse every disease, and I speak life and health and prosperity upon them in the name of Jesus. Father, may each one grow in your word and grow in their understanding of spiritual things so that they can be strong and bear much fruit for your glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, God bless you and I'll see you again tomorrow. We'll continue our study.